0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where movie reviews are podcasted. My name is William <laughs> Bibbiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs.
1: Oh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I don't need your nicknames, but you can call me nicknames if you like.
0: Yeah. Anyway, this, uh, this time on Critically Acclaimed, we're reviewing a whole bunch of new movies. Uh, we're reviewing the new release from Pixar, Luca. Not to be confused with my cat, Luca. Luca, okay, you want to you want to help us review this movie?
1: Well, there you are the, the, there are fish in this movie, and uh, Luca is very fond of fish. He does the he cat, does
0: he, he, he does like the fishies. Mm.
1: What else are we reviewing? Oh, yeah,
0: we're reviewing the the new Netflix movie Fatherhood, the new Shudder horror film Super Deep, and uh, the new it's it's a drama, right, Miss Juneteenth? Yes. Okay, yeah, we're reviewing Miss Juneteenth, mm. um, and uh, so so a, a somewhat uh, a lighter week sometimes than we're well, used to.
1: In, in terms of volume, perhaps, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, uh, we've reached the point where the release of a Pixar film is now sort of a non-event. Uh,
0: yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah,
1: Pixar uh, you, was standing astride the world of animation for a while mm-hmm. there, uh, and their films of,
0: regularly yeah. were like
1: billion-dollar
0: grossers. They or, were gigan- not yeah. only
1: gigantic hits, but critically lauded and very well awarded, and just widely beloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll. I've seen some uh, think pieces uh, published on the internet about how they've lost their edge because they made too many sequels Mm. Uh, somewhere around uh, when they made brave. It was clear that they were sort of taking influence from Disney and
0: not not necessarily the
1: other way around. Uh, so you know, some of their films are are less interesting. Uh, when the Good Dinosaur came out, it was weird to think that there's now less lesser Pixar and greater Pixar. I think Pixar uh,
0: is very. I think Pixar uh, is simply cursed from the fact that early on they had a string of incredible oh, hits. Their first a long string of incredible. I think hits, their first yeah. six movies. Okay. And, and honestly, A Bug's Life, just okay. Mm. But we kind of cut that one slack Because it was their second But there, the string of Toy Story and The Bug's Life Which is good, I'm not mm. complaining about it It's just not their most amazing And then Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. Finding Nemo and The Incredibles That list mm. there <laughs> Astounding Cars, a lot of kids like the movie Cars A lot of adults thought it was Kind of pablum Just mm. kind of fine Uh but then after that, they went on another incredible stretch with Wally and Up and Toy Story Three, and then it did Cars Two, which is cute, but not great.
1: So as I've said in the past they they needed to sell more ice cream cakes,
0: yeah so yeah they made car- they made another car cars, oh. cars is a multimedia monster, my God, they sell a lot of products, yeah yeah uh, but it, then it, but it then is, they had is a
1: steamroller and
0: then they had brave, which I still think is underrated, but I think was largely a victim of mismarketing where mm. they sold it as kind of this like awesome Braveheart with like a young princess as the lead, mm. and it was not that. <laughs> it no, was never it, that. Well what what it was the, a terrible uh, commercial for that movie.
1: It, it looks like it was going to be like a, a bit of a drama and it was like a broad comedy but in the Disney sense. Oh, where yeah. they're, they're making, like, anachronistic jokes and yeah. kind of, like, hip-talking slapstick kind of stuff. It wasn't in even it.
0: that, really. It was a story about a communication issue between a mother and a daughter that was then mm. elaborated upon and uh, made mm. allegorical throughout the use of fantasy. So, basically, it was kind of Pixar's Freaky Friday. Right. In a way. And I think it's cute i like that movie for what it is i think there's really good mm. stuff in that movie i just think everyone expected something else and it wasn't fair right. uh then we had after that monsters university which a lot of people didn't care for whitney and i are big fans uh, of that movie. i i really love monsters university i think it's very uh, very yeah. funny i think it's got a really wonderful message about for kids about how to deal with setbacks and failure mm. um and, and, and uh, i think it's i think it's great I think it's charming as hell.
1: And uh, one of uh, one of my favorite Pixar gags is when uh, the monster mom is dropping kids off. Yeah, and just she's going to wait out in the minivan, and she's like, you know, m- very prim Midwestern mom. Okay, yeah. you guys go out and have some fun. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm just going to stay out here and listen to some music. And she rolls the window up, and you hear it like blasting from inside the car, Mastodon. <laughs> uh, it's really fantastic
0: it's it's uh, a really good gag. Yeah. Um and then uh we, after that uh, there was Inside Out, which is generally considered to be one of their best movies and I don't I, disagree I, with that. I
1: think it is their best
0: movie. Just bar none. I I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't fight that too hard. I wouldn't fight that too hard. And then uh, we had The Good Dinosaur, which what you know has some interesting elements to it but again is just it's kind of a not very interesting uh production in some ways. Um like the, I think uh, stylistically there's a lot going on there but Anyway, uh, then we had Finding Dory, which is sweet. Mm. It's a good sequel. I like Finding Dory mm, quite good, a bit. Then it's, we had it's Cars a, it's Three,
1: actually which, a yeah. good film about disability.
0: It is, yeah, it, it is. Good. And then, uh, then we had Cars Three, which I so think is the best Cars movie.
1: The best in the series. I agree. Uh, I
0: actually think it's another good one about dealing with failure. It's about dealing with well, what happens when you age out of something and you mm-hmm. go into you move into a new role. You're no longer the star. You become the
1: coach, and uh, you know that's it's, good. It's good actually. It's also about a, a white guy learning to step aside for the more talented young Latinx woman. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I, I think cars. It's not mm-hmm. their most like uh, you know eye opening movie in many regards, but as a story, it's rock solid. Then we had Coco, which is one of their best films. <laughs> I...
1: Coco, I, I defy you
0: not to weep. Yeah, Coco is a is a tear machine. Yeah, like, it's yeah. so good. And then we had Incredibles two, which I'm actually not very fond of. I think it, there's a lot of conceptual problems with it. Well,
1: it it has it's a Brad Bird film, and he uh, has has flirted very very heavily and very openly with like Randian concepts of <sighs> the exceptional human being, and that's kind of what. The incredible, those two Incredibles movies are surrounding. Yeah, and but beyond that, I just think there's just basic there's, plot problems. in And well, one, then there's, just there's the also the fundamental
0: that. premise gets kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we had Toy Story Four, which most people love except me.
1: <laughs> it's it's so funny. I don't.
0: Think it, there's good stuff in it. There's good stuff in it. But for me, what it boils down to is there's a new member of the toy family. And the new toy, Forky, tells everyone what his identity is. Mm. And everyone tells Forky that it's not your identity. Your identity is what we tell you it is. And if you're not that, you're letting people in your family down. Mm. And the ending of the movie is is Forky happily going along with that. Mm. And I kept expecting... Like, Woody to learn not to tell people who they are. Right. And no, the movie is about the opposite of that. And I don't think that's a, I think that's a crap message. So I kind of just got annoyed by the uh, film.
1: I'm uh, I'm okay with it because it's a fork.
0: <laughs> but it's not, these are these are metaphors no, for if, everything. If, if you on.
1: like. Uh, it's, I think it's uh, what a lot of
0: Pixar works on is some kind yeah, of metaphor. Yeah, I, I'd be if, like,
1: I think Toy, Toy Story 4 was them uh, kind of goofing a little bit. The ducky and bunny stuff just That's funny. makes me fall on the floor they're funny. laughing.
0: It's, it's, it, very few Pixar movies mm. don't have at least something good in them, and mm. I think they're definitely fun. Uh, then we had Onward, which... And Onward was the first Pixar film uh, to reach the real problem that Pixar has run into, which is COVID. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Onward is is okay. I don't love Onward. I suspect it's because like I don't have a particularly... Close relationship with my sibling And I know mm. a lot of people who have really Connected with Onwards say it's They connected because of, they right, this partic- of
1: the Relationship between the two brothers Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah they, Because it's a sibling relationship That they felt like illustrated something That they felt going on and my brother Is significantly older than I am and we're just not that Close and so for me it, it didn't quite hit
1: But I can appreciate it I know a lot of people really really like it but, but it, I, it, I really really liked it I, I yeah. think it's you know just as good a tearjerker as many yeah. of other Pixar's movies. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of an oddball premise. I feel like the the world is a, a little bland. Like, the fantasy mm-hmm. world they're trying to, to sketch out yeah. is is not really they, imaginatively realized. I, I think You're the gonna, idea that it has become
0: kind of bland is the joke, but I think they took it so far that it's just bland.
1: Well, if they're going to like aesthetically make it bland yeah. and everything's sort of like beige and colorless and mm-hmm. sort of sort of dull and uniform, but it just looks it's like like a, a boring sitcom version of the real world, and that's, that wasn't so interesting to me. Uh, but, but apart th- from that, I liked the characters and the yeah. story and some of the weird humor in that I, one. I too. don't
0: dislike it, but it's like really low on the echelon mm. of Pixar for me, just because it doesn't really connect to me personally. But that wasn't really the problem with *Onward*. The problem with *Onward* was it came out the week before the quarantine, mm. and people knew it was coming, and people knew that there was a plague, so people didn't go out and see it in theaters. It had like the lowest Pixar opening on, like in many many years. And it yeah it hurt the film like what how could it not and so when the time came later in the year for Disney to put out the next Pixar movie soul they just put that shit right out on Disney plus yep they just put that movie right on Disney plus and listen the quarantine was still going on and it became out like right at Christmas time and I'm not oh, gonna I'm Christmas not Christmas Day. yeah yeah it was Christmas day and you know what that's a nice gift for families. You know, there's a new Pixar movie. We can mm-hmm. all stay home safe. And I think, I, I'm not a huge fan of Soul. I think they, haven't, they didn't develop the idea very well, even though mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, but I think Disney has got this idea now that Pixar is for streaming services. Because Luca mm. could be in theaters right now. It's in one theater. It's in the El Capitan in Los Angeles. And it might be another one in New York. I don't know. I assume they won Oscar nomination. Mm. You know, they cover their bases for that. But uh, this could be a summer movie. Pe- movies are starting to make more money. Maybe not as much as people would like yet. But mm. they're starting to... People are starting to come back to theaters more and more. Um, and Disney isn't doing that. And I think that's Disney's problem. Yeah, I think not Luca. Since Luca is not an inferior hmm. film, and that's why they're keeping it out of theaters. I think Disney is just getting out of the headset of our movies have to go to theaters. Yeah, they would rather cut the middleman and get all the money for themselves rather than share it yeah. with a theater. And this, a new Pixar movie, will drive people to their service more than it's in theaters. We'll watch it again when we come home.
1: Also, uh, the the expense it would take to put and, and again we're thinking about like the company's perspective, which is we're explaining why put, this shifted, a, a why did this of, happen, putting a lot of a lot of context about its release uh, mm-hmm. pattern. Um, but I do feel that um, the company uh, that is the Disney Company might be losing a lot of faith in Pixar. Uh, they're making money as movies, but. Like how many Onward T-shirts did you see? How many yeah. Inside Out? How much merch did Inside Out move? Um, mm-hmm. Who got it? Well, Toy soul? Story Four
0: probably made a
1: lot. Uh, maybe, but how many Soul toys were yeah. there? I mean, these are not uh, the con- they're they're yeah. creative films, but they're not the mm-hmm. marketing bonanzas so, that Disney on- is used to.
0: Soul probably isn't going to be like a Disneyland attraction, although exactly. Onward very much could have been. Onward could have led I to like a cool uh, um, cool dining experience, yeah. go to the Manticore's restaurant or something. I,
1: I do like. Uh, I got to see onward, and afterwards I got to see some of the merch, uh, and because I saw the screening at the Al Capitano, oh yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. press screening, that you know that's there's also a store in the lobby. That and is then, the
0: theater with the least comfortable seats in Los Angeles. A
1: beautiful ceiling, nice organ, but Gorgeous. yeah, the, the seats are terrible, awful, especially if you're a big guy. Oh, you, oh you, no. You might want to sit... You sit in the back because the uh, the row in front of you is, like, below your foot level, so yeah. you can kind of,
0: like, spread out a little bit. Yeah, but those seats were designed and, for very skinny people mm, a long time ago. <laughs> it's not...
1: And also people who were three feet tall. Like, yeah, they're, they're not... Yeah. Not designed for average height people, but... Um, yeah. I, I saw some of those toys, and it was like, you could buy, like, the... the the van. In the movie, right? You could buy yeah. the van. You could buy the legs. Like Dad is only legs in that movie. <laughs> okay, and that, that, was kinda, that was kind. That was kind of cute. Yeah. But yeah, like kids weren't rushing out to buy those things. <laughs> uh, they, they weren't so so inflamed by the marketing gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Pixar is sort of like this prestige side project now, and they're leaning mm. really heavily into the things that are making them money. And right now, that's Star Wars TV shows. And mm. uh, look, every year or mm.
0: so, we'll get an Oscar. Yeah, that's what yeah. Pixar is at this point.
1: Um, uh, and now yeah. their their attempt is a very summary movie called oh, yeah. Luca. And Luca, uh, the title character, is a, a sea monster, yeah, a mer person. Uh, this is, and that, that's the way they call themselves. They are sea monsters. This, with one little twist, this could have been Sigmund of the Sea Monsters movie.
0: Yes, it very easily could have been.
1: But yeah, uh, he's a, a sea monster. He wants to go up to the surface, but he's forbidden. Mm. Because Pixar parents are nervous. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a running theme throughout their movies. Yeah. But yeah, his his mom and dad are really nervous about him overprotective, growing up. Yeah. And they're overprotective about him going to the surface. He finds some surface things uh, that have fallen down to the bottom yeah. of the sea. Yeah,
0: Off of various boats, like, yeah. a, like an alarm clock and or a playing card. A wrench
1: is one of them. And yeah. uh, while he's out uh, shepherding fish... Which that, is funny. That, that bleat-like sheep. That's kind of a cute it's detail. Very funny. Uh, he runs into a sea monster wearing like a, a diving belt suit. Like a diving suit. And mm-hmm. uh, follows uh, this other sea monster to the surface. As it turns out, when uh, when he dries off, he turns into a human. Yeah. This is just sort of a, a natural, cons- natural easy yeah. sort of plot conceit for the yeah. movie. When
0: sea monsters go on land, they can breathe the oxygen and they look human. But as soon as you splash them with water whatever part of them you splash becomes sea monstery yeah. again. And uh, a lot of sea monsters know that humans don't like sea monsters and they choose to live in the ocean. However, we do find out things like Luca's grandmother occasionally will go to the surface and play cards. Like, <laughs> right. it's a thing pe- some people do, but it is considered very dangerous mm-hmm. because, as we find out, uh, the small fishing village uh, where uh, off the beach where Luca lives, which is in Italy, uh, is... Uh, very fond of killing sea monsters it's a fishing village mm. anything with gills they'll kill so there's a legitimate concern here but they find like a a a, a dilapidated building just off of this idyllic tiny island uh where luca and his new friend um
1: uh, uh, Alberto is the other, Alberto, is the other sea monster.
0: Yeah, uh, Luca is played by Jacob Tremblay. Alberto is played by Jack Dylan Grazer from the Shazam yeah, and, movie. And, and they're,
1: and they're uh, yeah. Alberto's a little older. Um, of like they're like twelve and thirteen, and yeah. um, and uh, Alberto's been living in this dilapidated building by himself. Uh, talking about how great it is just to be sort of free and alone and by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sit, you can hear right away that he was abandoned, and he, we do yeah. learn that later on. Yeah, he's, uh, he's,
0: he's, he's putting on a brave front, and he looks... And to Luca, who has been sort of stifled by his well-intentioned and not horrible parents, but he's been a little stifled, uh, Alberto seems like the coolest person ever. He lives on his own, he lives mm-hmm. free, he doesn't have to like adhere to what society wants him to be. Uh, and they, he, starts, he starts spending more and more time with Alberto, and then when eventually, I'm skipping ahead a bit, just because the plot actually, the plot plot takes a while to get going. That's not a problem. I love the oh, pacing of this no. movie. No, no, no. But just for the purpose of the description, uh, eventually his parents catch wind of what's happening, and Luca and Alberto decide uh, they are going to go to uh, the fishing village and try to make a go of it as humans and hopefully get be
1: able to get a Vespa so that they can travel the world. And mm. that's that's the basic plot of it. Yeah, um, so it, it's about sea monsters who want a Vespa, and that is yeah. so sweet. That's so damn charming. <laughs> that's so damn <laughs> charming. I,
0: I, I can't even be mad that the product placement for Vespa in this movie <laughs> is like the most like blatant and hyperbolic. Product placement I've seen in a movie since Mac and oh. Me and Coca Cola. Like I, it's, I don't,
1: I don't mind it all though because no. this is they're they're going for Italian detail sure. and, and that they're hyping of. A, a, very specifically Italian products. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian know. company. Yeah, and, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, we got our superpowers from Lavazza. You know, they're they're trying yeah. to or or Illy coffee, like something that is very specifically uh, local. Is I think that's okay. I, I have
0: nothing against Vespa as a company. In fact, mm-hmm. I once wrote a screenplay which also revolved around Vespas, like <laughs> a long, long time ago. So I got nothing against Vespas. Vespas are cool scooters, as far as I can tell. I know nothing negative about Vespas. Maybe there is, and I don't know about it. Uh, but I, it is just a little interesting to have a, a film that is very, very sweet, very, very touching, very, very uh, heartwarming uh, with so much name brand recognition. And not only that, but they don't just say we want a Vespa. They repeatedly say Vespas are freedom. <laughs> like, uh, and there are like these fantasy sequence with like Vespas and how magical and wonderful they are. And I'm picturing kids... Watching this movie And maybe only just finding out about Vespas hmm. And thinking, oh, Vespas are cool And then deciding, like, one day when we get enough money We're gonna get a Vespa And I'm not saying that's horrible But I am saying that the company that makes Vespa Is probably very happy about it
1: And I think that's something that's worth noting yeah, I, I I looked through the credits And there there's no... Like, they got permission for Vespa. Yeah. I don't, they're not, like, a sponsor or anything.
0: Anyway. I'm sure that, that, that's um, probably the case, but I'm pretty sure that somewhere down the line, hmm. 10, 20 years from now, when the Luca generation grows up, Vespa will be raking in the the bucks. <laughs> that's all I'm saying.
1: Um, it's a sweet story about the friendship between the boys. Uh, yeah. about their relationship. Uh, Luca looks up to Alberto, but Albert, er, Alberto also is very fond of Luca, and they yeah. actually develop a very good rapport. There's a really wonderful sequence early on where uh, they go up into what is essentially his tree fort, it's yeah. like in the abandoned building. It's like, okay, let's let's see if we can build a Vespa. Oh, no, actually, I really got to go. And then there's a, like a hard edit, and like hours have passed. Okay, and if we, like he's still in the, like <laughs> yeah, they're designing, okay. They're so excited about re- this Now I realize I could go doing. another yeah. hard edit. He's still there, that sort yeah. of thing. Like they can't, I, I was reminded of the friendship between uh, George Beard and Harold Hutchins from the Captain Underpants movie.
0: I was reminded of that, too, yeah, actually. Where, where yeah. they're just
1: they're kind of on the same wavelength about the kinds of things they like to create and do.
0: They've got their own world, and they don't want to leave that world. Mm-hmm. And that's a really magical thing to capture, I think. Yeah. When, when you finally like find someone, and some people don't find this person until they're much older, an adult or, mm-hmm. or even older. But you finally find someone who just the 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 hours seem like minutes mm. when you hang out with them and you talk to them or you're doing a project together and next thing you know you have 11 podcasts <laughs> you know like that's it's it's a mm. rare thing to mm. find someone who's just on that wavelength and to have that captured so sweetly and so mm. beautifully and with honestly just so much tenderness there's so many movies about friendship especially male friendship yeah uh which have so much artificial drama attached to it so much so much uh, uh just bullshit about people who feel like they can't be close and I know attitudes in various European countries uh, regarding male friendships mm. are very very different than they are in America but in America we get a lot of them where there's this weird antagonism yeah, or you know, this constant one-upsmanship, or something, or this constant like fighting,
1: which is rooted in homophobia. A lot of it yeah. is, yeah, a lot of it is. You know, this, this, uh, we we can we be can't close be friends. Seen too close. Yeah we, yeah, we can't we can't be affectionate with one another because we don't want to be perceived as being lovers. Yeah, and uh, for what? Who, I mean, who...
0: a who, who cares, would care who, if we were? But, yeah, but like, but, and uh, b. Hmm. It's no. You can be affectionate with anybody. I, yeah. You know. You can say I love you to somebody. It, it doesn't. It can be. Yeah. It doesn't and, have and because, to be. And we we make too big a thing out of but that.
1: But because it's uh, a a film about kids, uh, b one of those one wonderful Halcyon summer movies where. They're enjoying the intensity because they know that it has sort of a shelf life yeah this is not going to you, summer doesn't continue forever summer yeah. will come to an end and there's going to be that tearful separation mm-hmm. well I guess I'll see you next summer well, like, it's they like, don't they don't have like school camp, they don't know? have
0: school per se but like there is this threat that if Luke his parents find him mm-hmm. they'll make him go live with his uncle like his in the un- Mary Uncle
1: cause... Ugo in the Mar- yeah deep yeah. in deep in the Mariana tragedy I- he is we get to see Uncle Ugo is voiced in one scene by Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah. and he begins to... He says hello and then has a heart attack.
0: Yeah, because he's from the ocean depths and so... And with the that. pressure is bit yeah. too, too great it's, for him. Yeah, I'm
1: not a he's fan a, punch, of Uncle...
0: Punch him in the heart. No, I, just punch him. I, I appreciate that Uncle Ugo probably comes from a place of Uh-oh. a whimsy in love. Uh, I also found him kind of frustrating as a fat guy joke because he is portrayed mm-hmm. as a big guy and the first thing you see is his heart stopping and it has mm-hmm. to be, you know, and like the last thing you want to do is hang out with Uncle Ugo who talks about eating food a lot. Mm-hmm. And a part of me was like, can we not with Uncle Ugo? Thanks. Like a little, right. he doesn't ruin the movie for me, but I'm not as enamored of him as a lot of other people are. I feel a little, I feel a little shade being right. thrown, but whatever. Um, what I love about Luca is well, I love the sense of place that it has. Yeah. I think uh uh I feel like Pixar sometimes is struggling right now with how uh uh animated it wants its world to be. I feel like sometimes like something like Toy Story 4, for example, where we've gone from the uh, very block-like kind of construction of the original film to Toy Story Four, in which the re- the uh, environments just, are photorealistic.
1: Yeah, it's just the real yeah. world now.
0: Yeah, I, I actually think that in for Toy Story that's a bit of a mistake because I think it makes the toys hmm. stand out in like kind of an awkward way. But sometimes it yeah, looks I really think. really beautiful. In here, I think they found a really really good balance of occasionally something will completely photorealistic like the beach, hmm. but it actually looks like it's right out of, like, a travel log. Yeah. You know, right. where it's, like, it's a little too perfect, even if it looks real. Mm. And there's something just, I
1: want to live here. There's there's a, yeah. a, a bit of that uh, under the Tuscan sun. There have been a lot of yeah. uh, comparisons call to name. Call Me By Your Name, yeah. uh, all, which is also about... Um, an, an island in Italy where two two young men form a very special bond um yeah. in, in Call Me by the, your name they fall deeply in love yeah it's explicitly uh, it's romantic yeah in in uh, there's been the comparisons have invited some queer interpretation of luca mm-hmm. i've uh, heard some people call it a queer awakening film and that's certainly some subtext yeah. uh the friendship it's, isn't romantic it's yeah. more of a friendship like it's mm-hmm. not explicitly romantic anyway mm. uh, but it could very well be about the first stirrings of love for another boy. It's good that the film yeah. can
0: connect on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, a part of me is still frustrated that Disney keeps, uh, uh approaching, coding, it Keeps yeah. a lot of coding, keeps approaching, mm-hmm. uh, queer characters and queer storylines, but th- terrified to explicitly say it. This one doesn't feel like they're terrified. This one feels like they're, they're, they're kids and they're just keeping it light. And they're not really thinking about kind of stuff anyway. Mm. Um, and as a result, the movie can
1: work on multiple
0: levels, and that's really, really yeah. great
1: it works and even without queerness, yeah. it's still a fine film about you know friendship and warmth well, and and summertime and I've
0: heard it described uh, as also like if nothing else, it is kind of a coming out story because Luca is deciding that he is a surface dweller mm. and that's not being part of the sea it's like it's it's part of him but it's not really his identity yeah and I think that's a really, really great story to tell. Mm. Uh, and even if it is allegorical, and I think that's I, that is effective
1: well and and I also like there's a, a theme here about education uh one yeah. of one of uh, Luca's big coming of age moments is uh not just his friendship with Alberto, not just. Getting a Vespa for freedom, but he actually mm. meets another character, a character named Julia, mm-hmm. uh, who teaches him that uh, those those lights in the sky at night are not glowing fish swimming above us. They're, As he had been told, they're actually stars. And hears a book about the solar system, and yeah. he is education. is yeah, fascinated by the way the uh, the world works, and he actually wants to go to school, and uh, ends up having a. a Go back to school moment mm-hmm. uh, in the film, and yeah. do I that's to, incredibly do I, inspiring. Do I want
0: to escape and have adventures on a Vespa my whole life, or, or do, do I, I want to learn about the world? Because the world is a fa- big,
1: fascinating place. Those are I just both want great fantasies. Yeah, and they're is, both
0: things you could do. Yeah. 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 So, uh,
1: I, I really dug it. It's yeah. it's very sweet. It, it doesn't have gigantic themes behind it. It's not trying to unlock. You know this state of human emotions, like yeah. something like Inside Out. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to explore the nature of the soul or the afterlife like in Soul.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it
1: is simply about uh, friendship and growing up. And I think those, those I, are perfectly good things to have I, in, in an animated film about sea monsters. I think that's powerful in Microcosm. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. I think that's
0: something that, I, again, you know, it's, it's a film about the power of relationships. It's a film about... Uh, how awesome it would be to live in Italy. Like, that's 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 powerful to me, man. That's that's, that's fucking great. But uh, no, I, I'm really captivated by the whole look and feel of this film. I really do just want to live in it. Uh, but I love the characters. I think they're really really sweet. I think the story, uh, is pleasantly simple, and I like that it takes a while to get going because the important thing isn't I have to win this competition to get a Vespa. Mm. That's incidental. The important thing is building a relationship and wanting to while the days away without more of a goal than maybe we can make a Vespa. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, like all of
0: that is... That's just beautiful. Like, again, I want to live in this movie. Yeah. And I I think that
1: is beautiful i um, um I, I talked about this when uh, when uh, we reviewed the captain underpants film a film yeah. I'm, I'm unreasonably fond of oh, it, i think it's, it's very yeah. reasonable i think it's uh, a, i think
0: it's one of the most underrated animated films of the last 10 it, years it,
1: it's really really good yeah. and and because i have a young child i've read all of the captain yeah. underpants books to them Uh, As it turns out, in the twelfth book, it is revealed that one of the main one of the two main characters is queer. Oh, Uh, we we there's like time travel in these books and all kinds of all kinds of wacky stuff, and they go visit their future selves. And uh, Harold Hutchins has a husband. Nice. Uh, This and and he and his husband are raising a a child together. That's Uh, great. Harold's not ever like they never talk about romance or any kind of relationships at all because it's Captain Underpants. Well, they're, so they're little finding, kids. Like, they're not. They're not they're even little, thinking they're about they're that They're little yet. kids yeah. and they're fighting like toilet monsters and stuff in yeah. those in those books. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, Harold Hutchins is canonically queer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, when I re- when we reviewed that movie, I talked about uh, sort of what I call the, the theory of the infinite afternoon, and that is the idea that. From the time you get off school to the time you have to start dinner, maybe a two, two-and-a-half-hour period is where all of childhood resides. <laughs> uh, it's, it's,
0: you, you go over to a
1: friend's house, you make comics, you play, you come up with games, you play with toys, you converse, you come up with things that feel incredibly important and deep at the time mm. and is actually adding a lot of magic and love and texture to your childhood. And it's a two and a half hour period in a day. It's actually a very small portion of the day, yeah. But it is infinity. It is infinity. Yeah. It's it's where everything lives. So I call it the, the infinite afternoon. And I feel like Luca is the same, just on for the summer. It's the yeah. in, the infinite summer yeah. where it feels like nothing's going to end. And when you realize it's coming down to an end, there's a lot of melancholy to that. And that's a very yeah. strong, powerful emotion when you're a kid. That yeah. sort of melancholy that the good times are going to end.
0: I think. I thinking about it now, I realize that mm. like I feel like. I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes comics, mm-hmm. and I don't know if those comics are finding their way into people's hands anymore because the comics aren't in print in newspapers anymore, um, and I just I, don't I, think there is there is alive in the popular consciousness they, as they used
1: to be. They are kind of as a meme, not just you know mm. Calvin peeing on stuff on the back of trucks. Uh, yeah, which but, is never canon, by the way. <laughs> no, um, that was
0: always that was always a bootleg image.
1: That was never even in the yeah. in the comic. I would love to ask Bill Watterson about that. Like, I'm if sure he's actually he actually "No, he d- he yeah. never wanted to market Calvin and Hobbes. He wanted the art yeah. to be the only." And I'm thing. sure if um, he did, he didn't want that. No, like yeah. he he was approached time and time again. Can we do an animated series? Can, can we, we make do, a Hobbes uh, doll? Something? Yeah, can, yeah. can we do some merchandising? And he always said no. He's like, yeah. "This is not why I'm in this game."
0: Yeah,
1: uh, he, he's the kind of guy who is like, oh, "I'm feeling really stressed out." I just need to lie in a pile of sticks for a day. And I, I'll do that. I'll just sort of lay down on the ground outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, Calvin and Hobbes like, has been sort of memified to uh, the point where Calvin is, it's like this really kind of sappy, nostalgic. Strip yeah, I don't know if you It never was that. It was actually no. a very angry strip.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were moments of, of sweetness mm. and, and levity, but my point is that I always felt like Calvin and Hobbes. If, we, if you've never read it, mm. uh, it's a comic strip mostly from the 80s and 90s. I think it was all the 80s and 90s. I can't remember if it was mostly lo- 80s mostly.
1: Mid-80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah
0: uh, that was uh, written and drawn by a cartoonist named Bill Watterson. And it was about uh, a young boy with an incredibly overactive imagination and his... Uh, Stuffed tiger doll Mm. Hobbs, Who when no one else Was looking Was a real tiger Who walked around On his hind legs And Mm. went on adventures With them And they had long Philosophical conversations About the nature of existence And also they got into Like adventures With cloning machines Uh, Which, Which
1: were always Just cardboard boxes Yeah
0: It's an incredibly Wonderful comic strip About child imagination The things that Children think about And the things that we sometimes forget that kids think about, like, anger and violence. Mm. Like, he would constantly, like, sculpt these, like, snowmen. But instead of having cute snowmen, they would be, like, snowmen that were trying to kill each other with snow shovels. Like, he was was a creative... he, Child. He, you know? he was
1: incredibly, incredibly creative. He's incredibly intelligent, but you know, he's sick. The character is sick, so he's not, yeah. like misguided he's and precocious selfish. Precocious, yeah. Inc- incredibly selfish. She's a mean kid. He's mm-hmm. mean to the kids around him. He's he's bullied at school, but he also is cruel to uh, Susie, all, Durkins. Susie Durkins. He has no friends. Yeah. Uh, no, Hobbes is his only friend and that's in and, his mind and yeah. he gets into fist fights with his imaginary friends so, and loses and he loses so yeah <laughs> Calvin lives a pretty sad life there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of there's lot a real of melancholy ra- rage and sadness in Calvin's yeah. life so I really connected like... to Calvin and Hobbes Calvin, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I feel like Calvin and Hobbes was mm. always about the infinite summer or the infinite afternoon mm. and I feel like that's something where a lot of people have said like wouldn't it be great if we had a Calvin and Hobbes movie I know I've said that a few times and nowadays I think that would be almost impossible to pull off but i think films like captain underpants and of the very different but also wonderful film about childhood imagination and uh Mm. uh, friendship luca get it enough of it right Mm. i think then because i think what i was connecting to with calvin and Hobbes was the infinity of childhood Mm. and luca gets it yeah. And right. very few other very few other films about childhood do, I feel. And I think that I think Kevin Owens is one of them. I'm sure there's a few others if I really push myself. But this is it. This is really gorgeous, wonderful filmmaking.
1: Well and it's it's this is actually something that, that uh Pixar does a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, a lot of their films are about kids and they understand a lot of the, the stresses and pressures of being a child. I think Inside Out is best at it. Uh, Because it's
0: really literally about nothing else. uh, Right. We're we're in the head literally
1: inside the head of the character Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know Coco is about that and and Toy Story uh, Toy Story 3 in particular is about that. Uh, because it's about Andy growing up and the toys moving on and sort of the... Well, it's about toys finding gro- mortality, really. That's grow- more about
0: aging than anything else. Well, it's,
1: it's about growing up, but it is also about, you know, these childhood totems need to... Like, they get to continue the childhood while other well, people grow. And you
0: can look at Monsters University as mm. a film about how childhood... Where childhood dreams go to die. Yeah. college college yeah <laughs> you know and about finding but, a new but, dream and but finding that's a new very po- it's a very it positive movie it ends up being of very day, very yeah. positive about it but it's something that people don't always tell you when you're a kid mm-hmm. which is that you know people always say like hey what do you want to be when you grow up and what they don't usually want to say is there's a really decent chance that won't happen and you need to be able to make the most of it and figure out something else to do with your life and be happy mm-hmm. and that's what right. monsters university is
1: and it's great uh my uh, my son is six I've, and of course yeah. we've asked him what do you want to be when he grows oh, yeah? up yeah but he's given a couple answers okay, um, what's he got? one he, one he says he wants to be a veterinarian yeah that's, uh, which would, is which is pretty common when and i was I, when I was his age I wanted to be a veterinarian yeah, too, yeah. Uh, and and I think it's also because like uh, other friends of his that he likes um, sure. also said they want to be vets so he wants to just continue to hang out. It with seems
0: his like the cool popular job you know?
1: uh, the one that that made me sort of missed up a little bit said, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, "I want to be a daddy. Oh, like, oh God that's gonna... sweet <laughs> just like, oh God, I'm gonna cry right now here oh, here in this craft store that's uh, that's
0: really, really sweet. He knows yeah, you don't the... get paid for that, right? Pardon? He knows you don't get paid for that, right?
1: you you shut your <laughs> fool mouth. Uh, I mean with you're... love, yeah I mean, I'm <laughs> talking about. Uh, but most healthily I asked him recently, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And he just said, "I don't know. Good, I don't know yet." And I, I think attitude. that's fine. I think that's fine for him to not, not to know, yeah. not to have like a singular passion. My, my, he doesn't really operate that way, so I think it's fine. My
0: my dad uh, always told me that he didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up until he was in his early thirties. Yeah, yeah. You, there's no cap on it. <laughs> you can totally change your entire life and career around at any time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, don't get don't fall in that trap.
1: But I really liked Luca. I, I think it's yeah. it's it's very sweet. People are calling it slight, uh, just because it's not like emotionally epic, but it'll still elicit a little mistiness. No, and I not, think the, not, car- the characters a... are very sweet and uh, and very kind and real to one another. And I really appreciate how gentle a lot of this movie is. When people call it slight, mm. I know some people are simply being descriptive. Yeah. Uh, and but I also know that some
0: people there's a there's an element of critique in that, as though mm. it's minor. And I think that's a trap. I really do. I mm. think that's a mentality we have to remember that there's this Western tradition of fiction that it's all about conflict mm. and uh, escalation.
1: Yeah, that, that, and that's 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 a bad lesson you get. You you take too far from your first year of screenwriting. Exactly. Uh, yeah, first year of screenwriting, you're just learning how yeah. to do it. Well, I think uh, I think
0: I think they're teaching you what sells in Hollywood right now. But what they're not mm. teaching you is that. There are many other literary traditions and storytelling styles uh, that have nothing to do with that Hollywood tradition, and sometimes those things end up making huge money in Hollywood because they're different. Mm. Um, regardless, there are a lot of stories that are not about giant conflict. They are about... Most stories have some form of conflict, but they're about smaller things. They're about space and atmosphere mm-hmm. and... um A moment, not necessarily the shift. Uh, And I think this is about the moment. I think this is about this important moment in childhood. Mm. And there is a coming-of-age element to it, but it's more about preserving this. And I think this is really beautiful. Mm. I'm really, really glad it exists, and I love it. And I have a few very minor critiques, but they don't really affect the overall takeaway, which is Luca is great. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to another movie about uh, The Briny Deep. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I did not see. Oh, okay. The super deep. The, the, and that's the title is the super deep, which is a great which, title. It
1: sounds like a wrestler to me. Uh, yeah, but it, um, it sounds it sounds like the sequel to that Jacqueline Bisset film, The Deep. Oh, I, I yeah. never, I never saw the deep. It's I only, not very good. I only remember the the parodies and mm-hmm. that Jacqueline Bisset wears a white shirt underwater. There was um, a there's a film th- that, the, that's the detail I know about the
0: deep. There was a hit film in the '70s called The Deep, which is about uh, ocean divers who find, if memory serves, like a crashed boat full of I think it's drugs or drug money or something I like that. It, and I the, thought
1: it was like gold or something. Whatever they find oh, yeah. treasure in a in a
0: ship and it leads to mm-hmm. adventure and you know. Uh, and, um, it's, I actually find it to be very slow, like oh, okay. frustratingly slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this, I actually think there's a quasi remake called into the blue with Paul Walker mm-hmm. and Jessica Alba, which Ooh. I actually well, think is
1: the, the two of them in swimsuits the yeah, whole time. Yeah. So yeah, it's like totally a, just an eye candy. And, and it's
0: directed by, um, Oh, what's the guy who always makes movies at the beach? Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not, oh. it's not John Powell, John Stockwell. Oh, okay. John Stockwell who if you look at his film uh, he, he was an actor who became a filmmaker uh, himself and most of his movies are set at the beach I think he just likes being at the beach fine, and more power fine. to him you
1: know, just follow, follow your bliss. more power to
0: him like almost every one of his movies like yeah. covers people in bikinis and uh, he it's but that movie right there for me I prefer it to the deep it is pulpy it is a B movie without shame the ending is surprisingly fucked up. Mm. Like Jessica Alba ends up getting like shackled to a dead body for the third act, and it's really like kind of twisted. Like it's kind of cool actually. Mm. Uh, but anyway, the deep was a big deal.
1: Okay, uh, and now it's not so much. The super deep is not about uh, ocean diving or the beach or people in bikinis. It's actually a so- lost interest. It's a Soviet horror movie. Um, uh-huh. Between this and Sputnik, uh, maybe we are seeing the emerging of a new subgenre of okay. horror films set during the Soviet era. Um, the Super Deep is based on a, a real-life Russian experiment uh, just off of the coast, uh, or just off the, uh, over the border of, of Norway in northern Russia. They are... The, I forgot when it was put into effect, but... Um, I don't know. I think it might have been as far back as the 60s, but uh, it's called the Kola Super Deep Borehole, oh. and it's just an experiment to see how deep can we dig... <laughs> they're trying to essentially bore through the entire Earth's crust mm-hmm. in this big sort of scientific engineering experiment. L- like in that remake of Total Recall. Is that, I thought they were actually mining. And, no, and no, well, they might have been. Oh, but uh, in the remake, Total, total recall, recall, that's right, there was a tunnel through can, the like, center of the Earth. Yeah, if yeah. you
0: if you live in, like, England, you can go to Australia yeah. in minutes by just literally yeah. falling through the center yeah. of the Earth. Yeah. And, and Stupid the, fucking <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, con- the conceit of that movie is that, like, the most of the, the world's surface had been irradiated, so yeah. there were only, like, two areas that were still safe, and yeah. the only way to travel through was just go through the Earth. Sure. Um, well, look, why That's not? what's I've, important. I've, I've heard dumber, all right? It's, it's, yeah? It's not so... Okay. <laughs> not so many. All right. Um, but uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, uh, a Russian scientist with a dark past... Uh, she uh, gets word that from the Soviet government that they've heard weird noises coming from the super deep hole. So you got to get in this uh, fancy CGI uh, uh, elevator mm-hmm. and ride it all all the way down with some Soviet soldiers because you got to bring soldiers. Yeah, you never and know. There could, be, there, could be, there
0: could be soldiers down there. <laughs> yeah,
1: it could be something with guns. Uh, and, and wouldn't you... Okay, I'll give you... I'd like you to guess what they find how many there? guesses do I get you get uh, three guesses okay Atlantis okay second right. guess um, hell okay
0: the gateway to hell uh, and uh, an alternate reality
1: okay um it's far more mundane than that it's no. it's more like aliens oh so it's the abyss th-
0: they just find aliens down there
1: it's but it's not uh, It's sort of like aliens, but it's also the thing. Because what they find down there is... Wait, so that's Leviathan. A a prehistoric fungus that infects people and turns them into, like, spore balls. And, like, it grows in their skin and they can't really feel it. And they start losing their minds. And when it gets, like, a bunch of people together, it can kind of, like, rope them together and start moving around like a giant monster.
0: So it's Leviathan. It's
1: Kind of like Leviathan.
0: Okay. Have you ever seen Leviathan? It's a surprisingly, like... It's an alien, it's an
1: underwater alien knockoff, yeah, but it, it, yeah. Imagine the like abyss. unashamed uh, alien, yeah, alien knockoff. A, a man, it was actually came
0: out like at the same time as The Abyss because they were trying to like take this the wind out of James Cameron's sails. Uh and uh it's The Abyss, except instead of like underwater aliens, uh John Carpenter's The Thing is down there. Mm. That's it. That's the movie. It's got a great cast, Peter Weller, Daniel mm. Stern. Like it's like really, really fun, gross horror movie. And it
1: sounds like Uh, super deep. uh, The super deep has uh, a few fun, gross elements as well. There's some fun makeup stuff with the fungus and, you know, it digs into people and kind of melts their bodies and turns them, turns them into these like weird masses of fleshy plants. Um, and it continues a pace. It's incredibly predictable. It's, you've seen this movie a hundred, if you've been paying any attention to genre films, you've seen this film or a film a lot like it recently. Mm. Um, People are trying, in fact, uh, it reminded me a lot of Sea Fever, a film that came out last year, a film that I actually really like, which is about people lost on a ship, and they become infected with little, uh, like, worm-like parasites that invade their bodies and can, can kind of kill them. It's more like a disease in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. Uh, th- this one has a little bit more of a, a creature element to it, but yeah. it's the same kind of movie. Okay. Uh and rather unfortunately, it's like an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah, that's kind of long which, for that kind of movie, yeah. Which means there's going to be a lot of scenes of people yelling at each other, the scenes where they kind of find out what's going on take a little bit too long to explain. Yeah. Uh, rather curiously, it's dubbed in English, even though I think the actors were speaking English, because their mouths match the word, but it's clearly not their voices. Interesting.
0: Uh, I think they might have... Might have been for clarity.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe it was like... Um, one of those things, or maybe some of the actors were speaking Russian and some were speaking English, like, uh, like an Italian production. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a, an element I noticed about the movie uh, that it is, it's an international production. It's not specifically Russian. Hmm. Uh, it, it, this needs to cut to the quick a lot faster. Uh, the, the mm-hmm. for a film, this predictable, you need to either make it really stylish or stylized in some way. You need to do something really creative with the creatures. You need to come up with a creator, more creative creature, uh or you just need to get to the point get to the violence get to the gore get to the horror of the the matter because it's so slowly paced it's not that scary there's no mm. s- like sense of mounting dread uh we we're, we're seen uh at the beginning of the movie we see a flashback where the main character uh, let me look at the actress's name uh she's played by Milena Radulovic she uh like has had something dark happen in her past and it's shot in black and white and it's it's just clearly it's kind of bookend material that was kind of sandwiched in to give her a little bit more of a backstory. Yeah, and it's when we see these things, we can see the seams starting to show. Um, like for example, uh, there's a scene with a syringe where somebody like pokes the syringe into like a little vial of medicine and pull out pulls out the medicine. And I hate when they do this in movies where they sort of – they flick the syringe a little bit and then they squirt out like half of the medicine. They just spray mm-hmm. it everywhere. It's like you're supposed to flick it to get the bubbles out. And then That's all push, it is. And then you push the air out of the needle so there's no, you're not injecting air. That's literally go. all you need to – you yeah. don't need to
0: do a whole bunch. Just a little – Yeah. Like a and little – you're done.
1: Yeah. And uh, in this one, not only is the needle like – something out of like a Victorian horror movie, like a Frankenstein movie. It's just a gigantic <laughs> cardiac needle. But that you can see they pull the medicine out, they hold it up, and it's only half full of medicine. Like the rest is is like just an air bubble. And then they flick it <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, like that kind of stupid detail really makes uh, these little kind of kind of things fall apart. And there's little details about that of like the mechanics of the doors. Uh, It turns out like if you get the exit code wrong three times, you're trapped down there, which makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I mean, you don't want Uh,
0: just anyone not being trapped down there.
1: Well, I mean, cl- clearly there's a lot of security to get down there. Why is there security to get out? I mean, are they Because anyway, listen, they, they everyone knows smug- that if they you might were, like, smuggle dirt out of if there. If you were infected
0: know. with some kind of alien virus, yeah, you yeah. would probably forget the password. That's their safe. T- I don't
1: know. So, so I, I I'm glad that we're getting more Soviet era horror cuz it's something I don't see a lot of, but uh yeah. I, I wish it was a, a good movie. It was just really, really disappointing. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I wish they had done something with the characters a little bit more, given a little more care, uh, like pizzazz, something, some, some, mm. something other than just sort of something, uh, something completely predictable. I'm sorry. Poo, I say. <laughs> and and I've been really impressed with what sh- and this is on Shudder mm. it's being distributed by Shudder and right. uh, Shudder has been doing a lot of really good work recently yeah or at least I, picking yeah. up good original
0: mm. films from elsewhere yeah
1: yeah. I I really liked Caveat I know you weren't so fond of Caveat eh, or, couldn't get um, into it yeah didn't finish um, it, though, yeah, so I, um, I can't critique. Queen of Black Magic from earlier this mm-hmm. year was really, really good. I loved Lucky. That's one of my favorite films mm-hmm.
0: of this year. Uh, Skull uh, the Mask is a great splatter film. Yeah, and, and was, of course... Just oh, a
1: pure splatter film? Really fun. And and I think uh, Psycho Gorman is finally on Shutter, Yeah, so, and Psycho right. Gorman is also one of the best films of the year. Uh, it's
0: certainly one of my favorites. I had such I'm, a blast. I'm with seeing that people movie.
1: in, like, Hunky Boys t-shirts yeah. now. It's really fantastic. Hunky Boys! <laughs> ah, I love that movie so much.
0: <laughs> Some people can't get into that movie. I totally get it, but that is on my wavelength. Oh, that is my kind of film. I mean,
1: I mean, it's it's dirt cheap, but it's oh, still yeah. fun. No, but I grew up with dirt cheap. I was yeah. uh, uh
0: uh I was um yeah. I know some people like look at like certain kinds of horror, and they're used to something glossier. Mm. But uh, you know, I can watch the we made it with a wad of chewing gum and like some fake blood. Yeah, and if you're creative enough, if you're inventive enough, I'm in. <laughs> all right, I just want to, I just want to have fun with you. That's all there is to it. Um, well, I'm gonna make take a, a big hard shift. Uh, from my next uh, review, it's not a film about being underwater at any point that I can recall. Okay, <laughs> which makes it a little disappointing. But it, uh, other than that, uh, fatherhood, uh, the new film from Paul White's. Uh, who uh worked on uh, American Pie and about a boy uh is uh, is kind of kind of sweet actually uh this is a new film starring Kevin Hart it is on uh Netflix it's based on a true story but very loosely um uh Kevin Hart plays a man who is uh married his wife is pregnant mm-hmm. and uh, at the beginning of the movie uh he's he's a good guy but he's really kind of like shying away from the responsibility and when they find out that uh they need to induce labor a little early okay. uh, a couple weeks early that uh he, he hasn't even put together the crib yet so he's just oh. not he's just not on the ball he's oh. not on the ball he means well but he's not on the ball uh they have the baby The baby's wonderful and fine and then one day later his wife dies okay.
1: uh,
0: from um I, I, I think it's an embolism mm. um and he his whole world is shattered obviously you know, their life was just beginning together, and now he's alone, and on top of it all, he doesn't even really have room to grieve because he's got to be a father now. Um, he's got a mom. Mm. Uh, he has a mother-in-law, played by Alfred Woodard, uh, who is great in everything, uh, and his, getting... and she doesn't particularly like him. Uh, and in particular, she doesn't like that he's alive and her daughter isn't, and who can blame her under the circumstances? It's... Not a very fun way to grieve, but it's totally understandable. And so she is trying to basically get him to come move back home to Minnesota where you have a family and I can take care of this kid because I do not trust you um, at all. And so he's in a which position
1: seems just from a practical perspective, like a better way to raise the child. It's, it's not
0: yeah. it's it's not unreasonable. And I appreciate that. And there's an early point early on in the movie where um She makes a deal with him, and he makes like a basically a wager, Mm. and he says, if you can't do this, if you can't do this right, you have to move back to Minnesota. And he doesn't want to. His career is here. His friends, his other support network is here. Mm. His life with his wife was here. Uh, So he doesn't want to move. Mm. And I thought this was going to be one of those shitty wager movies. Where people make a wager and they bust, uh, their, yeah. they bust their asses to, like, do everything they can not to lose this wager with someone that they have a conflict with. And after a while, you realize this wager isn't that important and I don't care about it. Unfortunately, they forget about it immediately. And mm-hmm. it's basically just uh, he's being constantly encouraged to, you, you can fail. But he doesn't want to. He wants to succeed. And so he ends up raising a baby along with, like, a couple of his friends from, like, work, mm. uh, played by uh, Lil Rel Howery. Okay. And uh, I think it's Anthony Kerrigan plays... Yeah, Anthony Kerrigan uh, plays his other friend. And um, uh, Paul Reiser, who I haven't seen in a movie in a while, uh, plays his boss.
1: Okay.
0: And Paul Reiser is, like, a pretty well-intentioned boss. but and, uh, and I was worried, again, there's another, like, cliche at Sidesteps where it's like, you can't have your child in here, this is an office. And Paul Reiser is just, like, actually, like, pretty cool about it. Mm. He's actually just... He, he tries to be sympathetic and everything, but he doesn't really have an experience of, like, losing a wife. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, I had lost an aunt once. She was 99. And uh it was just devastating. And Kevin Hart's <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds that's, rough. That's,
1: that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. To- totally that's, the same thing. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Totally the same. Uh But, like... There's a whole bit where like, Kevin Hart's like, bringing the baby to the office and it's becoming a distraction. And Paul Reyes is just like, you've heard of babysitters, right? <laughs> or, Has anyone told you about babysitters? Do, do you know? Because mm. like, it's just about getting this guy some support yeah. to be a decent dad. And that's a lot of the movie. Mm. It's just him trying to be a decent dad. And he's not awful at it. You know, there's there's
1: problems. There's colic. You know? mm. there's, um, is this one of those films where... Mm. Uh, like, it's about machismo? No, okay. and I'm so glad it's not. Okay. It's the,
0: honestly, one of the most remarkable things about this movie, maybe the most remarkable thing about this movie, is what it's not. Okay. It avoids what you would call the dippy dad syndrome. Yeah. Where like, oh,
1: poop, how am I going to handle poop? I'm going like, to clean it up. Men,
0: I don't men like it.
1: Men <laughs> do not know how to be parents. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, well, it's like... he
0: doesn't because he's never done it before, but well, he's yeah. actually doing, he figures it out. Yeah. People, you know, I have, I have an anxiety about the possibility of being a, parent someday and okay. because I'm constantly terrified I'd screw it up but you know what actually makes me feel like you know it's possible look at all the people out there <laughs> someone figured it out like and there's I know people who are idiots all right and they've had kids <laughs> not everyone I know who has had kids is an idiot but we have we've all know people who it's just like you can you could barely change a light bulb. How did you raise cool kids? How did you do that? It's like it's love and attention. It's you can do it. You know, you can you can make mistakes and figure it out. So it's about making mistakes and figure it out. And then it cuts ahead, and the girls in like elementary school, and uh, he's finally like got like just enough wiggle room where she's at school and figuring things out, and he might be able to start dating again. Mm. And there's. That's actually where the movie starts getting a little more interesting. I was worried it would lose me. Okay. And then... He started realizing a couple of things. One, Kevin Hart has some seriously undiagnosed uh, PTSD from losing his wife. Okay. Uh, and it has prevented him from pursuing his own life. He's living for his daughter, and anything else fills him with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And, uh... There's another connection with Pixar, there, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. nervous parent. Yeah, well, sure, but like, and you, but you totally get it here. There's this great bit in the movie. It's actually maybe the most effective establishing shot I've seen in a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they, when at the beginning of the movie, when uh, Kevin Hart's wife dies, uh, we see like they're at a hospital, and there's a very distinct establishing shot of the hospital. It's not like fascinating, but it's very clearly you remember this shot. Mm-hmm. Later on when he's dating someone and he's out on a date while his daughter is at school thinking everything is fine and he doesn't realize until it's been a couple of hours that the school is called 19 times and his daughter fell off a jungle gym and hit her head. Oh gosh, okay. So he feels awful and of course this makes him not want to ever date again and almost ruins his relationship but the thing that is so brilliant about it is when he finds out and he's going to go to the hospital to see her they use the same establishing shot of the same hospital and you oh. realize that this is very triggering for him yeah, yeah that not only could he has is someone one of the people that he loves in physical peril but they're at this hospital
1: yeah
0: and the last time he was at this hospital, his wife died, and you can see why all of, he's overreacting mm-hmm. to a lot of this. But you totally get every single part yeah. of it. So there's a lot of like really subtle thoughtfulness going on here, which I really really like. Mm. Um, the movie never really has gigantic peaks and valleys. Okay. It's about mild. Hmm. It is about being reassuring. It is about how fatherhood is possible. It's about how moving on is possible. It's about how positive family relationships can happen, even in adverse circumstances. It's all supposed to make you feel good at the end. But it doesn't try to make you feel implausibly good. And I think that's Mm. a success story. It's not like Yes Day... Or something where it's just like, "Yay, the whole family managed to make it at this rock concert," and, oh. you know, like, "Yeah, we're all great." together! It's really
1: con- contrived feel yeah. good, feel good Hollywood. It's moments. not a, con- yeah. it's not contrived.
0: It's, uh, it's actually just down to earth and sweet. I think Kevin Hart is at his best when he doesn't have to try. So much yeah. of Kevin Hart's career as an actor is him trying. To make the most of it or trying to get your attention or trying to entertain you like hard. Yeah. Um, And sometimes that's what the material asks of him. Sometimes the material is so bad, that's all he can do. But when he can actually take a load off and be real, he's a very affable actor. And I think this is actually him at his best because he's not trying to be funny. He -hmm. doesn't need to be loud. He can actually, he is funny, but Mm -hmm. he's funny without, you know, putting on a show and i think this is actually the best of kevin hart okay at least as an actor um uh so yeah i i i, I like this i don't i don't love it mm-hmm. but it's a sweet film it got me in the feels <laughs> i i i don't have anything particularly negative to say about it it's just it's a nicely handled mild family movie and good we need uh, more of them yeah so uh, yeah i liked it I,
1: I i like i like films that shoot for like real emotional moments that you have in your life rather than trying to orchestrate large moments. Yeah. Uh, I feel I feel the same way about Luca. I mean Luca is yeah. an animated fantasy film, but uh, it it is about something a little bit more down to earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like something similar is going on with fatherhood.
0: I mean, I guess
1: Not, no sea monsters. No, nah, yeah.
0: I guess it wouldn't be the worst double feature ever. Like one, mm-hmm. the one's more about to focus on a kid's experience. One's more about to focus on a parent's experience. Mm-hmm. There's an inter- there actually is a nice subplot. I, I, I don't particularly care for the way it resolves, but there's a subplot where Kevin Hart takes his daughter to this school, and it's a, I think it's a Catholic school. No, it is a Catholic school, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a dress code. She's supposed to wear skirts, but she doesn't want to. She wants to wear pants, and. Uh, he lets her wear pants because she wants to wear pants, mm. and uh, but some of the like the family members in her life say, you know, she should have a female influence around her, you know, because mm. that's part of the childhood experience. And or Kevin, and, but mostly people just say, listen to what your daughter wants. And my daughter wants to wear pants, so I'm going to let her wear pants. Mm. So like, but then the school is just like you have to wear this skirt and everything like that. So there's a bit of identity mm. being discussed here, but we don't go into any more detail than Luca does. Yeah, yeah um so but yeah it's it's a nice conversation yeah. to have and i think they come to a reasonably okay conclusion with it is don't think they really stuck that particular landing because that's kind yeah. of a can of worms and yeah. the way that the school is trying to impose their will is i think a bigger issue than the movie kind of realizes yeah uh and uh, so i think that's maybe the part that gets swift a little bit but it doesn't hurt the movie overall yeah. okay
1: All right. so uh that's fatherhood, and then uh tell me about miss Juneteenth uh miss Juneteenth uh is being released uh in some theaters i believe it's also on b e t and you can also rent it uh from various outlets um this is a film by uh first time filmmaker Channing Godfrey peoples and uh it stars uh Nicole bahari as a as a, a woman who uh when she was young was a pageant star in the Miss, Miss Juneteenth pageant. And mm. the Miss Juneteenth pageant is a pageant specifically for young black, teenage black girls. And mm. it's not just about like, looking good and you know all of those really unsavory things about beauty pageants. It's actually a way to get a really good scholarship. And when mm. she was young, she got that scholarship, but uh, a lot of her, her life plans were thrown for a loop because she uh, had a child. Uh, We now fast forward to the present. Her child is now almost 15 years old. The Miss Juneteenth pageant is coming up again, and she wants to pass on uh, the legacy of sort of her old uh, beauty pageant crown to her daughter, who is not at all enthusiastic about it. Uh, This is a, a, a wonderful weekend for this film to be released because this was the first federally mandated Juneteenth mm. holiday. Well, this one was actually and, uh, released last year and it's being re-released this year, right? Cause of the mm. pandemic. So they wanted to make it, get more eyes on it. Well, it was at, uh, it was at Sundance, I think. And then mm. it was, I think it was released. Yeah. Like limited in theaters during the pandemic. And this is the first time it's widely available. <laughs> yeah, 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 So, which is why I'm reviewing it now. Okay. No, no, no. It's uh, just, just for clarity's okay. sake. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the daughter is played by an actress named Alexis, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. I apologize. Alessa Chikaize, I think, is her name. Okay. Uh, the legacy of this Miss Juneteenth pageant is really um, a, a little bit fraught because it is a very much about. Uh, black history in the United States, and it is about identifying with that black history as a black person in the United States. I'm not going to speak to that experience. I'm a white guy. But uh, in the in the course of the film, they talk about how being part of this and acknowledging uh, Juneteenth as an event is a, a very uh, enriching thing to do. They, they talk about it as if it's something... Um, that uh, will lead to greater things. And they talk about how the people who have won this Miss Juneteenth pageant have gone on to great things and have gone on to like great colleges and become mm-hmm. politicians and stuff. Um, meanwhile, the main character, her name is Turquoise, uh, is trying really, really hard to simply make ends meet. Uh, she is, and and we spent a lot of time actually not thinking about the pageant and just sort of living with uh, Turquoise and her daughter. Um, Turquoise is still, even though they're separated, she's still occasionally seeing her daughter's father, and they're kind of having an on-and-off-again affair, and she's just sort of taking a lot of odd jobs. She works in a little convenience store. Uh, the owner of the convenience store is a good friend of hers. Uh, she also works at uh, a mortician's, and uh, that's just another thing. she. And uh, all of the spaces she enters are full of fully realized characters. I always love this. When a filmmaker bothers to give personality to even the small characters in a movie. Uh, It's also about her relationship with her mother, her relationship and her mother's relationship specifically with the church and how there's kind of an indoctrination going on with Christianity with the characters that Turquoise is really not familiar or comfortable with, excuse me. Uh, And... Uh, eventually, it's all going to come to a head when uh, there has to be this sort of like coming out ceremony, uh, with, that is in the debutante sense of uh, the the teenage daughter who is not into this at all, coming out and reading a Maya Angelou poem, and how how kind of stifling that experience is because it feels so forced to her, and she actually mm. wants she really wants to dance, she doesn't want to be you know go off to college. It wraps up in an incredibly satisfying way in that it's not about the triumph you're aiming for. Like we were talking about monsters university. It's about recognizing the triumphs you've already achieved. Yeah. And, uh, I really admire when films can dig into that because, you know, we are as a species, just pretty ambitious We're we're constantly looking forward constantly striving, at least at, you know, Modern modern humanity is a very ambitious creature, and Mm -hmm. uh, a a lot of uh, hope can be found in looking around and taking stock of what you are good at right now, and what you're doing right now that is making your life good, and uh, recognizing that what you have been doing and have been seeing as sort of like a, a Sisyphusian task is actually a really satisfying ex- like realm of expertise. Uh, I was, this is a weird comparison, but I was reminded of Kevin Smith's clerks Two, Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is very much about, um, agreed. If you'll, if, if, if I may, the bliss of stagnating, <laughs> 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 but I, I don't have any new ideas, but you know, I'm actually really good right here. And the, there's a lot of elements of that about, um, miss Juneteenth. Um, this is a film that allows the characters to just be. Uh, I talked about how in the super deep, it's just all padding. There's all these moments, but those aren't moments that are used, that are being used to uh, expand the mood or let us know more about the characters. It's just a slow way of telling a story that doesn't need that much time. Miss Juneteenth is taking that time and letting the characters rest with one another and converse with one another and just be and just work. And it's... It's very vocational, and it's very familial, and it's very real, and it's incredibly touching at the end of the day. It's really, really good. Uh, Great. Yeah. That sounds great. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend Miss Juneteenth. Awesome. Well, I, I'm, I'm bummed that I missed that one. So yeah, I'm glad you let me know. Thank well, you. I mean, it, it, it was around last year. It's around yeah, I mean, again. I, so. I'm,
0: I'm, not, I'm not saying mm. I'll never be able to. Mm. It's just like I wish we could have this conversation today because it sounds like a really wonderful film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it's time to review some movies then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here at the Critically Claimed Network, we review uh, films on a scale of C- to C+, thus ensuring that we will never be quoted on any posters. Uh, and it works thusly. Most movies are a C. they're average. That's the definition of average. Most things are average. Uh, so it's got some good, got some bad. Some movies are a C minus. that's below average. <laughs> and for us, that's everything from we just don't particularly recommend it to the worst thing ever made. And uh, then there's some films that are above average. That's a C plus. It's just above average, which means we recommend it genuinely and wholeheartedly, whether it's just quite good or the best movie ever made. Whitney Seibold, mm-hmm. please review the
1: movie Juneteenth on mm-hmm. the critically acclaimed mm-hmm. scale. Miss Juneteenth. Uh, Sorry, Miss Juneteenth. Miss uh, Juneteenth, Juneteenth is a C+. I, I, I really was really impressed by this movie. Awesome. Uh, fatherhood uh, is... I'm torn on Fatherhood mm-hmm.
0: because it's good. Okay. It's, it's legitimately good, but it's also a movie that I feel is just mild enough that I might forget about it later, and that might bring it down to, like, Hmm. More C territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but fuck it, I'll be nice. Uh, it's a C plus. It's a well intentioned movie uh, with a very good lead performance in Kevin Hart. Good ensemble cast. Uh, sweet, it's touching. It's just might be a mm, might be a little too mild for its own good sometimes. So mm. your your mileage might vary. It might not become your favorite thing ever. But I don't think you'll dislike it. So I guess I have to give it a C plus. Um, the super deep.
1: That's a C minus. Yeah, like the there's, there's ambition here. Well, maybe not a lot because it isn't like a knockoff and really familiar. Um, but you know, there's there can be a, a filmmaker can prove themselves with tested material, mm-hmm. and I feel like filmmaker didn't do that here. That's a shame. Yeah.
0: All right, and the uh, last but definitely not least, Pixar's Luca. I'm mm-hmm. um, giving it a big old C plus. I think it is a really wonderful film, impeccably designed mm-hmm. and crafted and acted, and um, again. I I want to live in this film. I want Uh, to visit this film. I want uh, (laughs) uh, this film to, to, I want this film to succeed. I don't care about financially. I want it to find an audience of people who Mm. love its wavelength and care about other people and want things to be, uh, nice and meaningful. Yeah. 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 I Um, I want that to succeed. uh, I want that that to find a future.
1: I'm giving you a C plus as well. I, I really enjoyed Luca. Um, if I have any major complaints, it's that I find the two lead voice actors to be just more functional than really full of a lot of personality. But yeah. that's such a minor thing. I mean,
0: I uh, I found the there was a little unnecessary emphasis on branding half the time they said Vespa <laughs> they could have just said Scooter, uh, but uh, whatever, it's not really worth getting fired about. It. And I don't think uh, the portrayal of the uncle is particularly kind. But whatever, uh, I'll let it go. You know, it doesn't ruin the film.
1: They are they are. Sea monsters. I know, to look kind of but monsters. I know, but
0: like we're supposed to look at these sea monsters as stand-ins for us, aren't we? We're supposed mm. to connect to them, mm. and so what's the connection mm. between a big giant sea monster with a heart problem who always talks about food and what? What's the human corollary to that? Mm. Not flattering. I, Not flattering. I don't
1: recall him talking about food. I He's just constantly talking about how like, in, the briny, attack, in but... the briny
0: deep, where just bits of whale are constantly around you. You can just open your mouth, and there's constantly food. Mm. He talks about
1: it. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was meant to denote how gross... Like, there's dead whale falling on your head all day and yeah. just how gross it is down I, there. I, I,
0: undesirable. I understand. I uh, just think there's... If we're going to make these connections, you got to make yeah. them all across the board. Um, I think that one's very flattering. But, again, it doesn't hurt the movie. It's yeah, one little bit. I,
1: I, I don't have any sort of major nitpicks, though, that kind of yeah. tear it apart. Like... Uh, the fact that you can't pull a guy's hair and make him cook like in Ratatouille—it's like that, that's, a, <laughs> that uh, weird. That, that's a, like an absurd so detail weird. that kind of distracts from the yeah. realism of that movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, as much mm. as real as the mm. Rat, who's a brilliant chef, movie can but, be. I, I can but, like, buy the
1: Rat as a brilliant chef, but this idea that yeah. the, the Rat can also like has this I magic know. puppeting power over this person.
0: Yeah, no, that that yeah. that that was always silly. Yeah. And that uh, was always one bit where it's like, listen, the whole movie falls apart if we can't figure out a way to get for this Rat to tell this guy how to cook food. <laughs> if you can come up with something better before this hits theaters, please let us know. Until then, we're going with the puppet things. It's a fun visual. Mm. <laughs> that's it. They could. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't envy them. That's a that is a tough hurdle to jump yeah, over. Yeah, I, yeah. You know. So
1: like like I, I like ratatouille a lot, yeah. but yeah, that's like one element that's just <laughs> so weird. I know. What? Yeah, it's so fucking just weird. Writing around it. It's really bizarre. Uh, s- same with like up. It's like oh, it's a sweet story. Oh, also there's dogs that fly planes. What the, f- the what? <laughs>
0: I actually like how weird Up gets. I think <laughs> I, get, I think the fact that Up gets increasingly weird is all a yeah. part of like uh, that that man going on that wild journey. Like, turns out it was really crazy
1: out there in the world this whole time. Like, it was nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't I, believe it. Like, I, I, I like Up a lot, but you yeah, know, after a while, it does lose me. It's like, oh, wait a minute, why why is there a zeppelin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Luca doesn't have any of those like cracks it's just sort of no. uh, it, it's, it's lightweight but it's still incredibly touching and uh, I, I think it does get something uh, really important about being a child yeah. correct uh, so yeah I I, love I, it. I, I recommend Luca
0: alright uh, so that's it for Critically Clanned this week we'll be back next week with reviews of films like F9 F9
1: the f- The Night of the Furious,
0: uh, and uh, also uh, the new gangster movie Lansky, and probably some other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I, I got a good whole, idea.
1: whole list of films I'm going to try to get through. For, that's exciting next week. Uh,
0: and uh, so yeah, I'll be up uh, next week. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget if you if you uh, miss our uh, Critical Game Streaming Club segment, that's a whole other podcast. Come by tomorrow. We're talking about the uh 1979 Walt Disney sci-fi epic box office bomb the black hole uh, which I'm very excited to talk about I will say that whether it's good or bad we will talk about tomorrow but I think it's an interesting film either way there, and there, I think it's worth it's some, worth remembering some
1: things to discuss
0: anyway. I think it's it's worth remembering and so we'll we'll have that conversation tomorrow of course uh, you can vote for future episodes of that on our patreon patreon.com critically acclaimed network where we also have a lot of of exclusive shows uh, we just dropped the latest ish, uh, issue we just dropped the latest podcast uh, of our only the best series we're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture we just got through the best Picture nominees of 1941 uh, and uh, yeah we got a bunch of this up there as well Batman Star Trek uh, we're just about to wrap up uh, Star Trek the animated series move on to the movies and then start reviewing every single episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, so there's a giant backlog of those already so mm. if you join in now for the first time you're getting like a hundred hours of Star Trek podcasts to delve through uh, and that's all there mm. for for your monthly rate it's, it's a pretty good deal actually I think um, and uh, yeah so thank you everybody who's a patron already without you we couldn't be doing any of these shows so we're really grateful to you if you want to uh, chime in about anything we discussed on this episode or anything at all really there's a couple of ways to do that You can follow us on Twitter at critic acclaim. I am at William Debiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. But if you want your, uh, your thoughts read aloud on a podcast where we can discuss them for all to hear, uh, you can email us letters at critically acclaimed.net. Once again, that is letters at critically acclaimed.net. That's our email address. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of we've got mail right here at the critically acclaimed network. And if, you're so inclined and you want to write us a letter, or if you wanted to send us anything, some people do.
1: Uh, we have a PO box that I have not memorized yet. So mm-hmm. Whitney have at it. Uh, it's the critically acclaimed network, uh, PO box six, four, one five, six, five, Los Angeles, California, nine double Oh six, four.
0: Yep. Uh, and, uh, if you like luxury soaps, we have a soap store, head on over to Etsy, look for salt cat soap, all one word. You can also follow salt cat soap, all one word on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have a lot of handmade soaps designed by uh, M. Lopez de Silva, my wife and partner, also some by me. Uh, we have a special deal on uh, our Father's Day gift sets. We have a few left over, and so those are on sale until the end of the month. And they're really mm-hmm. fancy, and they're inspired by Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So they smell of elderberries, and one of them is inspired by a shrubbery. Uh, But they're really, really nice, and I think you'll like them. And uh, after uh, the end of the month, they're gone. That's an exclusive thing that we're not going to... We might do one of them, maybe, but like (laughs) it's exclusive. So, limited edition. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Okay. Uh, So, thank everybody listening once again, and uh, never forget, everyone's a critic. I
1: want to go to the Midnight Show! I'm sorry, what?